yeah. might be a little bit um, heavy for some people, so uh, viewer discretion is very necessary. Um, there might be some triggering content in what I'm about to say, but what I will say is that there is always help out there. You are not alone. Um, and, you know, feel free to not listen to this podcast if you find that it is triggering you in any way. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of the Be Your Own Boss podcast. Joining us all the way from Melbourne, Australia, our guest this week is Lisa Pavlakos the founder of the MindHub directory. MindHub directory, it's a directory business and uh, it connects mental health patients or patients or individuals requiring support and uh, help in the realm of mental health or motivation. And it connects individuals with specialists, mental health practitioners, life coaches, executive coaches, hypnotherapists, clinical psychologists, all this at affordable prices. And Lisa herself has been uh, through situations where she needed help. So this is why she has built this so that and others don't have to go through what she went through. Let's hear from Lisa about her story, her journey. Lisa, thank you so much for taking our time and joining us here on the Be Your Own Boss podcast. Welcome to the show. Hi, Sachin. Thank you so much for having me on the Be Your Own Boss podcast. It's nothing short of a privilege. Thank you. Thank you. So, Lisa, as we always do on the Be Your Own Boss podcast, you know, we, we, we start with your story right from the beginning. So tell us about your, your parents, your siblings, where were you born? And tell us about your childhood memories. Okay, well, I was born in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Um, I have uh, three brothers, uh, and then there's myself. I'm, I would have to say, my the sex, second oldest in the family. Uh, and yeah, you know, initially, you know, growing up, I had an idyllic life, uh, idyllic childhood. Parents that really loved me very much. That's that's a fact, and they still, still very much love me, no doubt. Um, but, you know, life growing up takes a completely different journey for all of us. We get put through trials and tribulations and, you know, sometimes that takes the family apart and takes us all on our whole own journey. But, you know, at the core, I know that um, I know that we will always love each other and that that will will never change, you know. We might not be in each other's lives at this present moment, but you know we never know what what brings tomorrow. And whilst we're not in each other's lives at this moment, um, it's also quite good because it gives us all time to be able to go through our journey and do what we have to do. But you know, coming from Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, um, with an Indian background as well, uh, migrated to Australia when I was twelve years old. So yeah. Wow. So, and then, uh, like, you did your part of your education in Malaysia, I believe, and then later in Australia, right? Yes, I did. Uh, oh. a primary school in Kuala Lumpur, and then I migrated to Australia um, to finish more of my primary school. Essentially, migrated to Australia when I was 12 and have been here ever since. 
but I consider myself through and through Malaysian. That's really mm. bad. I'm Australian Malaysian. Yeah. 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 You're uh, also you're with, with Indian roots. So it's like Indian, Australian, Indian, Malaysian, Australian. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so, it's so awesome, you know, to be able to have the Malay blend, you know, the nasi lama, the roti chanais, you know, well, no, roti chanais is Indian, Malaysian, but also all the Indian food, the Indian biryani and, you know, the saris mixed with the Malaysian outfits. So, you know, the, the, the Arabic influences. So I'm this pot of Indian, Malaysian. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Cool. So, and, and um, what happened after your, uh, like once you finished your schooling and stuff like that, what kind of uh, high further studies did you go into or uh, what, what was the next step? Well, it's a very, very long story. I can try and condense it as much as I can. Um, but, you know, if you really want me to go through the whole thing, um, I can. Would you like me to do yes. that? Go ahead, please. Yes. It might be a little bit um, heavy for some people, so uh, viewer discretion is very necessary. Um, there might be some triggering content in what I'm about to say, but what I will say is that there is always help out there. You are not alone. Um, and, you know, feel free to not listen to this podcast if you find that it is triggering you in any way. Um, so, yeah, once we've got that disclaimer out of the way, Let's begin. So I migrated to Australia when I was 12 years old. I had a very troubled childhood. Um, when I was a little child at six years old, um, my uh, uncle was caring for me whilst my parents were working. What my parents didn't know was that my uncle was doing things to my little body that no child should endure. So I had experienced early childhood sexual um, abuse, and that was quite difficult for me to comprehend or understand what that was about. We migrated to Australia when I was 12 years old. Um, and then when I was 14, I went back home to Malaysia um, for a holiday. Whilst on holiday, I was brutally assaulted by my first cousin. And that was even more difficult because coming from the kind of cultural background that we come from, well, I came from, um, it was really difficult to talk about it. But, you know, now that I've been doing this work for quite a long time, it's not just the Asian cultural background or the Indian, you know, it's it's all cultural backgrounds. When you've been brutally assaulted, it's very difficult to talk about it. It's very hard for family members to be able to process it. So it doesn't matter which cult cultural background you come from. When the assault happened, when I was 14 years old, um, it threw me into a whirlwind of depression, um, so much so that um, I hated myself. I didn't understand why my parents couldn't really support me the way I needed to be supported. I think for my parents, it was very difficult for them because when you go against you know, a particular family member, you're going against so many different family members. And sometimes it's easy just to think and want to believe that it never happened, right? So that nobody has to deal with it. And it's like, Lisa, just forget about it. It's gone. Let's just move on. But I couldn't move on because um, nobody, no child, no teenager should have to, to go through brutal assaults. Um, 
I ended up running away from home at 16 years old in Melbourne. And when I ran away from home, that was really difficult for me because instantaneously I became homeless and I was living on the streets of Melbourne, having to navigate, you know, how to survive, you know, how to provide for myself, how to pay rent, how to, you know, bring in an income where I can pay for food for myself. Um, so navigating through that was difficult because I was a very sheltered um, girl, you know, living with the care of my mom and my dad. And, you know, my parents gave me everything that I needed in terms of material, material, material needs. They were all fulfilled. Um, you know, they sent me to good schools and everything. But when I ran away from home, I was out on my own and had to survive. Of course, my mom really wanted me to come home. You know, she tried everything to try to get me to come home. But I, I couldn't go home because uh, if my, my parents were going to be connected to my first cousin who assaulted me as a child, you know, against my will, then being around him or being around the family that's connected to him is very triggering. And that kind of trigger will send you into a whirlwind of depression and it's very unhealthy, you know. So when I ran away from home and I was homeless, I had to find ways to um, survive. I did that by uh, putting myself into school um, and making sure that I was finishing my education. I started a home catering business with the very little money that I was able to have. This home catering business um, where I would cook, you know, curries and rice and package it up and then sell it you know put it in a basket and sell it you know door to door um I did some babysitting work I, I I was able to get off my feet um I got into university as well and that was great but you know I was 17 years old out of home without my parents very vulnerable and wanted a lot of love and so I fell in love at 17, at least I thought it was in love, with this really um, nice guy, at least I thought it was really nice, but I couldn't really see the signs that he was not healthy for me. He was very abusive. When I was 18 years old, he punched me in my face because he got really angry with me one day and I had to have my right-hand side of my face reconstructed and I think the thing is, and how, how it all begins, is that when, when you come from a space of childhood trauma and then teen trauma and then you run away from home, then when you meet your first boyfriend or whatever, you think that you know what you're after, but you have no sense of boundaries you don't know what danger looks like because you were never really taught what danger looks like and you end up making poor decisions, you know. And then when you're in a domestic violence situation, you don't know how to leave it because it's all you know sort of growing up, right? Um, because I had, you know, experienced a lot of different, you know, violent experiences, right? So now I'm 18 years old, my face is reconstructed and um, I am you know, starting to want to 
pick up my life and move on and, uh, you know, just put the past behind me and have a fruitful life. I am in uni now. I am studying psychology now. My face is healing. My business is starting to pick up again, the food catering business. And things are looking okay, but this is where this bit turns into a CSI Miami show. And it's like, no, really? How did that happen? Or maybe a Bollywood movie. One day I was walking home from school and there was a talent scout who basically came to me and um, told me, like he saw me, he spotted me walking and he said, you are going to be the next model for the Nike campaign um, and you're going to be paid lots of money. And he had every single evidence to prove who he was. Um, where I was living at that point was right next to a TV station. And so I, I really believe that that's, that's who he was. He wasn't. He, he, ended up, um, he ended up basically being a crazy lunatic who kidnapped me, uh, took me to a place that I did not recognize at that point and held me against my will for hours and I was almost murdered that evening. Um, now I could go into the whole detail but it's going to take too long and there is a novel coming out and it's called Conviction and it should be out next year in 2024. But to cut a long story short, I survived the abduction where I was almost murdered. He was caught by the police um, and it was heard in the Australian court system. But unfortunately, money and power has the ability to get you free at some, you know, some, 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 on some instances. And he was a very powerful man who got away with his crime. And I guess what this story is about, and this is the crux of all my interviews and all my keynote presentations around the world, is that things happen to us that are beyond our control. And what do we do at that point when you are not protected, when you should be protected? You know, do you sit and wait for everybody to come to your aid and make your life okay? Or do you actually dig deep and find the strength within to make something out of your life, to step on the other side of your sadness? step on the other side of your misery and victim mentality and make something out of your life, you know? And I, I think that's what I did essentially. Uh, a year after the abduction, I had uh, fallen pregnant and given birth to a baby. I was now a single mother at the age of 21. Um, and it was just me and my son. And I was not even qualified enough to work at McDonald's. I hadn't really held down a proper job or anything like that. Um, and so as a single parent at 21, you know, I didn't have many options. But the one thing that I had was the determination uh, because I loved my son a lot and I felt that he deserved a better life. And so I had a will and a power and a drive to create something and something magical. And that I did. Um, I created the first Miss India International Beauty Pageant for Australia. And my first show had 4,000 people come and watch my shows. My shows were a success. Um, not only did I do Miss India International show, mm. I also did the, the Miss Australasia 
and uh, with my friend, predominantly it was her event, the Miss Australasia, but I would assist with that. And my friend and I, we did Miss Euro together. Of course, Miss Euro was a complete flop because there's nothing like Asians trying to run a European event because you know we don't we don't know that we don't know the the, the crowd you know as good yeah. as the Europeans can. Um, but Miss India was a hit, and it wasn't long after running Miss India for a few events um, that I was given an opportunity uh, by my brother to take over a failing cafe that he had at that point. It was once thriving, but now it was going downhill. And he gave me this opportunity. I took this opportunity and turned it into a thriving success. And um, one day in the cafe, I had a customer walk into my store and uh, this customer ended up being my future husband. He was a tailor and uh, you know he had one tailoring stores, uh, one tailoring store and I came into his business and worked with him turned it into, I think, you know, was like a Rumpelstiltskin's empire, I, th I think, because we had five stores and, um, you know, we had brought in uh, celebrity clients like Beyonce and Jay-Z and Michael Bublé named our fourth child, um, Grand Prix, uh, Australian Open, you know, Novak Djokovic uh, was one of our clients, but, you know, Nick, he he would deal with with those clients. And one day, I I walked into the store and I and I saw Novak and sort of serving him. And I was like, so you know, you do tennis? Yeah. What are you? Are you number like 142? And he's like, no, I'm number one. I'm like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. You know, I had no idea. Um, it was I was so focused on my job, and I just even when I was sitting in you know having lunch with Beyonce, I'm literally not, it's not about name dropping, right? Like it sounds like I'm just name dropping now, but no, like that's the level that we got to with our business. But even when I was sitting with Beyonce and my son was like calling her Auntie Beyonce uh, and my team was stitching and I didn't know how to sew, but every time she looked at me, I would like try to sew, right? Um, it, it didn't overwhelm me that I was with these people. I think I was just really happy that that the business was a success you know and uh it was doing well but no matter how how successful successful it was i was very unhappy because i knew that there was so much more to my life and that was what it's like to survive an abduction where you're almost murdered what it's like to survive you know brutal assaults what it's like to as a child you know to to have to go through what I went through um, and to have your face reconstructed and look like, you know, you're a character from the Phantom of the Opera, right? Because you're, you've got a metal plate in your face. Um, I understood what it was like to have depression and sadness and to be misunderstood and not heard, unloved. And so that drive you know, pushed me to become a keynote speaker. And when I first came out to become a keynote speaker in Australia, that was probably like nine years ago now, right? Nobody really wanted to hear me. Um, it was such a huge story that it was like, we don't want to hear it. Like, I, and I had no experience whatsoever how to present, you know, believe it or not. And every, all my friends will laugh, but I'm a little bit of an introvert. And they'll say, no, you're not, but I am. Um, so public speaking was was scary, you know. I didn't know how to do it. 
somehow though, the universe will back you. God will back you, you know, somehow, uh, I was voted, uh, well placed number eight in suicide prevention globally. I won the golden gavel, uh, which goes down in history. Earl Nightingale had the, uh, golden gavel as well. Tony Robbins, Deepak Chopra. Um, my book is about to come out. Uh, who knows? It might be a Netflix documentary or Netflix series or Bollywood movie or I don't know what the future holds. But what I do know is that when you come from a place of authenticity, um, the universe backs you. So that's really long. And I've just stolen this whole interview by just talking too no, much. No. I think th this is this is uh, like. I mean, I was shocked when uh, with, with the incidents that you told me about. And, and, and I think this is like, first of all, kudos to you for having the strength and the, the courage to come out of it and, and, you know, to give it, give life a completely positive uh, twist here. There are, there are so many things I want to ask you about. Let's, let's go one step back and uh, look at uh, well, a couple of steps back and look at the, the you know, the starting point of your entrepreneurial journey when you when you started the Miss India pageant, right? So tell us about that. Like, how did things come about and how did you start from having nothing to an, uh, a Miss India um, beauty pageant? Well, that's that's in the novel. That's going to be in the next Netflix series, right? Nice. <laughs> but that's, uh, I think, you know, I had a dream. I had zero startup. I had no money whatsoever. But what I did have was a huge dream. Um, I, I felt that I mustn't have been the only girl in my community that that was going through pain and suffering. And if I brought together, you know, other women, you know, we would all have different stories, you know, different ones, some greater, some less, but, you know, at the end of the day, pain is pain, right? Um, and so I basically sat at the train station in Flinders Street train station in Melbourne and with my baby in my arms and I would be like, hey, I'm running the Miss India beauty pageant. Do you want to be a part of it? Um, and they were like, what? I'm like, yeah, it's going to be great. And, you know, you're going to win prizes and all that sort of stuff. Um, I went to Air India Limited at the time and asked for sponsorship. So they gave me free tickets to India. I went to the um, you know, uh, mobile phone, uh, got a mobile phone business, telecommunications company. Um, I got, you know, chocolates and flowers. And so all the gifts were all put together. I went to printers and said, I'll pay you after the event if you could do the posters for me. I went to the venue, which happened to be the largest venue in the Southern Hemisphere in, in Melbourne called Queensbridge Hotel. And I said, please let me run my event in your venue and I will pay you after the event. I had gone to a party and um, and I saw this guy DJing and I went up to him and I was like, hey, are you, you know, can you be the DJ for my event? He's like, what? I don't think so. I'm like, what? Are you, are you for real? I'm like, yeah. This guy now is a massive producer today, uh, Manny Jet Life. And, um, and he, he's done a lot of, there's a lot of in, like celebrities that he produces works for and tours a lot of people now. But at that time, he was just a kid. I was just a kid. You know, he, he, you know, but, you know, he played the music. I, I organized everything and he couldn't believe it when we had 4,000 people, but it was a massive success. You know, it was, you know, we charged $20 per head for everybody that came through. 
amount of money that I made at that time was a lot yeah. for me. Wow. And but more than anything, it was the first time that I tasted what freedom tasted like, mm. you know, um, and, th and that was good. So, yeah. Wow. Fantastic. And, and then you went on to start more like the, the Australasian and, and the other uh, beauty uh, pages. Yeah, right? yeah, we, I worked with, you know, my best friend and, you know, she had the Asian community in her pocket. So, you know, she was doing Miss Australasia and I would assist. So we, we pretty much did a lot of things together. And, uh, and then we did, you know, Miss Euro, which was an epic fail. Like, you know, in, in a venue of 4,000 people, I think we only had like 20 turn up, right? So that, that was a big problem. But, you know, that's the part of business and being an entrepreneur. Like sometimes the, the golden nuggets is in the failures because, you know, it's in the failures that you learn, you know, what not to do again, what, you know, what to explore. Um, yeah. yeah. And uh, let's, let's talk about the, the cafe that your brother gave you and then, you, you know, it wasn't running well and then you turned it around how did you turn it around because this is this is an important question because there, there are a lot of people who who are uh, running a business that isn't running well mm -hmm. and that's the reason they're watching the beer own boss podcast right yeah so let's let's kind of help them with your story how did you yeah. turn turn that around well with the cafe business i had no idea how to run a cafe but i knew how to cook the food because i was doing the food catering business right? My mom was actually a celebrity chef at the time back home in Malaysia growing up. So food was always, you know, in our, in our family, I guess, in our blood, in our veins. Um, and when I got the cafe or when I took over the cafe, it wasn't something that I wanted to do because it was a responsibility that I didn't understand. But, you know, I just felt, okay, an opportunity has come and I'm going to take it and I'm going to try to make the most of it. Um, the one thing that I did was make sure that I revamped the cafe, right? So I painted all the walls and made it bright and beautiful just to give it a whole new vibe. We had tables outside, you know, um, so many tables outside. And so people would be able to walk down the laneway and they'd see all these outdoor tables. And what I did was I went and got beautiful flowers and put on each table. And I mean, like the flowers were like this tall, right? So you can imagine walking past an alleyway and when you turn and you just see flowers you know in every single table right like it, it looks beautiful and then I also put French house music and I would pump up the music you know so they would see they would see the flowers they would you know feel the vibe of the French house and then they would come for some beautiful Asian cuisine it was just a mixed match of you know beauty i guess you know so many different sensations whether you're eating the food whether you're looking at the flowers whether you're you know listening to the music and i think that's what it was about is how you make people feel and that's the one thing that i was always good at doing making people feel good um and that just turned it into a success you know i was literally booked out i didn't know how to make a good coffee um, but I knew how to cook a good meal and people came. And then I would really spend time to talk to the customers and, you know, make sure that I would give out free desserts. It's all about customer service. Yeah. People yeah. will always forget what you said, but they will never forget how you made them feel. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Wow, fantastic. I think this is like you you took a, a, a cafe that wasn't running well. And I think you've, you've done like really everything uh, to make it a success. This yes. Brilliant, brilliant. And I mean, initially, uh, initially when, when, at the time when my brother had it as well, he, hmm. he, it was a success for him. You know, it was doing really well. But sometimes businesses go down. He wasn't able to keep running it. And then I had this opportunity and I was able to take it. And so, you know, yeah. 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 yeah and that's, I mean, you're right. When it comes to business, I mean, there is no guarantee that the business will always run well. Yeah. Sometimes things work, sometimes things don't. Yeah. Um, and how, how did the idea of MindHub come about, the MindHub directory? And tell us about that. How did you start that? Well, that happened by accident actually complete accident so i've been keynote speaking for a long time and every time i would have a presentation at the beginning of the presentation i would tell people that you know there's some tri triggering content content like i just did now on this podcast and i would say well you can get help and i would whichever country i was in whether it's india or you know usa or wherever i was middle east didn't matter i would always say you can find help at this particular place and i would find you know the the help within that country and list that phone number where people could call uh, i had no intentions of you know running a mental health practice i had no intentions of doing any of that i was very happy with just keynote speaking but the pandemic had hit and i live in australia in melbourne uh in melbourne we had the harshest lockdown i think we were locked down like for pretty much two years like fully locked down right um, and I thought to myself, because I had five children, I said, you know, I don't want my children to just be at home. It's unhealthy for them. They need to go to school. They need to have that routine. Even though if there's going to be no one at school, they still have to have that routine. So I came up with a business idea and that was, um, you know, to run my own, you know, practice, um, so that I could work with clients. I was qualified for that, that I was able to work with clients one-on-one, -on -one. um, and at that time, it was called Positive Breakthroughs. And I spent three years working on it, but also um, working to develop more within the business because I knew that I'm only skilled at certain things. I'm not a clinical psychologist. I'm not a hypnotherapist. I'm not a forensic psychologist, you know. And people need to access different types of mental health support depend depending on, you know, the case that you present. And, and, I felt like, you know, I wasn't being honest if I was going to be treating patients, which I shouldn't be treating or talking to patients, which I shouldn't be because I hadn't gone and done my master's in that or anything like that to be able to diagnose people. You know, you watch YouTube today. Everyone's saying narcissistic empath, narcissistic, narcissistic. And I think that's really unhealthy. I think it's really bad because Sachin, if I don't like you, right? If you don't, if you and I don't get along, I'm just going to say he's narcissistic because I'm going to hear all these traits that I'm hearing on YouTube and I'm just going to diagnose you. And it's not right. You know, only a clinical psychologist can actually say you're narcissistic. Only, you know, someone who has studied, you know, a, a psychiatrist can say whatever disorder it is. I don't think people should be self-diagnosing. And so I wasn't in that position to be doing that. And so I, after doing so much market research, I, I came up with MindHub directory um, and to make it affordable as well. 
when I had positive breakthroughs, I was advertising as a client uh, or as a business, you know, with other directory businesses in America um, and I, and even in Australia, just to see what was out there. And uh, you can't create a business unless you are a customer yourself in every single sense, right? So you need to know what, what, what it looks like. Um, yeah, and then after three years, MindHub Directory was born, the perfect price point that is so affordable, um, where we even broke it down to fortnightly or even weekly payments because single mothers can afford to you know, be a part of it. And because I am the founder and also a speaker who speaks globally, you know, um, there's no one better to promote MindHub than me. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Lisa, so what's your future plan about uh, about MindHub? I mean, what what new features or what what are you uh, planning um, for the future of MindHub? Well, we've just invested some money into MindHub directory at the moment, and um, I've got um, a really amazing team that's running running this. Uh, his name is Alistair Rudder, and uh, what he's built is a, a, a backend that's uh, going to have some amazing functionality. We're looking into AI as well, where as a customer, you can come in and you can actually write about what you're feeling, what you're going through, and then it will generate it within our lists who we recommend that you should see, you know, mm. because I think a lot of people don't know who they should, they, they don't necessarily know that they want a hypnotherapist or they need a psychologist or they need a life coach or they need an executive coach. So having these sort of functionalities will, will help. Yeah. With the yeah I think that's, that's fantastic because I mean, you, you're, you're right. As an individual, um, the person may not know what kind of help they need, but all yeah. they know is their situation. They know what their situation is. They know what they are going through. If they can explain that and say that, you know, I want help. This is what, this is, this is the situation I'm going through. This, sometimes even that is difficult, right? Like, I mean, I, I, sometimes I myself like feel that I have no idea how to explain what's going on in my head right now, because there is a, there is a lot going on. And I just know that I'm not feeling the best, but I don't know how to explain, right? Well, get onto MindHub and yeah. you'll be able, we'll be able yeah. to tell you, you know, how we can support you, you know? Yeah. 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 You, you bring yeah. up a valid yeah. point because we, we don't know. And also it's only after COVID pandemic that people are really talking about mental health. Mental health was always, you know, a, a stigma as if you're unwell. Not necessarily. You just need to talk to someone and get that support because, you know, this is the thing, right? Through neuroplasticity, through a positive mindset, we have the ability to rewire our brain, right? So it doesn't matter what we've been through in life. When you work with someone and you can rewire your brain through positive affirmations, you are actually going to have, a, you know, a better outlook in life. You, you have the power to heal. You know, if you ask me, you know, how do I feel about my past now? my past is just my past. It doesn't define me, but I've done a lot of work, a lot of work in rewiring my brain. Of course, sometimes, you know, as women, we have hormones, you know, and like we, we have bad days and we just don't want to get in, get out of bed. Even men, you know, we, we all go through this, right? We all have that. But 
it's about having a positive mindset. When you have a positive mindset, it's not just saying it, it's actually rewiring your brain, rewiring mm -hmm. the neuron in your brain, right? Yeah. So Lisa, for, for the people, I mean, having experienced what you've experienced and having seen the growth in business that you've, you've developed, you've, you've helped your, uh, your, your uh, you know, your business, your husband's business. So with all of this, What's your advice for people who are just getting started or want to get started in the world of business? They're working right now, let's say, in a job and they want to start their own business. What's your advice for them? My advice is take a deep breath. Do some tactical breathing. Take a deep breath in four seconds. Hold it for four seconds. Let it go for four seconds. Take a deep breath in. Hold it. Let it go. Then... Tap into yourself and ask yourself, why, what, and how? Why do I want to create what I want to create? What is it going to do for me when I create it? So why, 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 why? Ask yourself, why, why do I need this? I need this because I'm going to have financial freedom. I need this because I'm going to make a difference in this world. I need this because I'm so passionate about this. So why? Then what? What do I need to do to get to that plan? You know, what steps do I have to make? Once you figure that out, then how? How am I going to do it? And I say you need to breathe, you know, take that breath in, you know, and then breath out. Really calm yourself, center yourself before you answer these questions. Because sometimes, you know, if you're at work and you're, yeah, I want to start a business, I want to do this, I want to, but, you know, your nervous system might be up, right? You might have had a lot of trauma in your life and it could even be childhood bullying, right? It doesn't have to be intense things. It could be just getting over the pandemic. It could be you might be about to get fired in your job. I'm not sure what it is, but we all have situations. Yeah. If you make a decision, right, in that moment, not knowing if your nervous system is up, you're, you know, you're going on your flight, fright or freeze response. You're not making the best decisions, but if you calm yourself down, take deep breaths, center yourself, and ask yourself the question, why, what, and then how. Then you can really spend some time to think about, you know, what you want to achieve in this world and why you want to achieve it. Yeah. That's wow, advice. that's that's well well said. Very well said. Yeah. So calm yourself down and then go deep within to find out the what, the why, the why, the what, and the how, and the answers yeah. will come from within. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think be really authentic with what you're doing. You know, I'm a keynote speaker. There is no race for me. I don't need to be the best of the best of the best of anything. I just need to do what I do and be authentic. Mind hub directory, just, you know, with all my heart, you know, don't think about how much money I'm going to make, but think about how many lives I'm going to transform and help and support. Right. Use that as a focus and then money will come your way when you're authentic, when you're real, because especially as a keynote speaker, when you're up there on stage and you're talking to, you know, you can imagine like a thousand, five thousand people, like you're telling me that they, they're not judging you. They're going to judge you. They're going to be able to smell if you're not authentic, if you're not honest. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Wow. So, and Lisa, when, when you look back at your journey um, from, and I'm, I'm talking about the growth part, from where you started from ground zero and and then you've you've achieved you are where you are today right a, a, a global figure a keynote speaker when you look at this journey 
who are the uh, you know are there some people that you would like to thank and give credit to or are there some uh, some qualities or skills that you would like to attribute the success to what would you attribute the success to the people that stood by me steadfast you know even the people who who fell off you know at, at one point you know we all have friends and then friends fall off for whatever because we're all going through different journeys even them right uh, there's always someone that stood by you at certain point. You might not be friends with that, those people now, but it doesn't matter. They still stood by you then, you know. So I have a lot of gratitude for the people who stood by me at the time that I needed them most. Um, but most importantly, I have gratitude. For me, I'm very spiritual, so I have gratitude towards God. I think when you go through intense traumatic experiences, you find God, you know, because that's the only way you can make sense of, the calamity that is falling around you, you know. Um, so it's, it's yeah, thanking, thanking God, you know, thanking the people that stood by me. Yeah. Wow. And Lisa, so, okay, one last question. Actually, this is not the last question. This is the second No, you can ask question. as many questions as you want. <laughs> as many as you want. And uh, so... How for the people who are watching this and they realize that you know uh, they, they're going through uh, diff difficult situations and they they need help. Okay, what's the best way to reach out to MindHub? Can you just you know uh, tell us about that? Yes, thank you. You just have to go to MindHubDirectory.com um, and you'll be able to uh, you know visit our website and you know find support there. Um, even if you want to reach out, you know, and you can follow me on YouTube or you can, you know, follow me on LinkedIn or, you know, all, all over social media. Um, yeah, but MindHub, there's just support out there. And there's so many amazing practitioners. I have some of the best hypnotherapists on there. I have some of the best clinical psychologists, uh, psychologists as well, you know, counselors, spiritual counselors. Um, so we're slowly but surely growing. It, this is not a race. We don't need a thousand people. We just need, you know, even if it's 10, 15 for now. So anybody who wants to join on board as well, you know, we welcome you. Sure. And uh, do, do they have to be in Melbourne, Australia to be able to get help? No, or actually. Anywhere in the world? No, actually, it can be anywhere in the world. In fact, we are adding a feature within um, our, our platform where um, we you can search by country as well and uh, yeah search by country and then if you're in say say you're in france and you need to see someone and you have had a very traumatic experience then we will put you in touch with a therapist in france because in france they will have then the support network that you need the extra support network that you need you know hospitals and stuff like that yeah yeah. So, so you can connect to, uh, you know, you can connect individuals to the specialists, both in person and online, right? Like this. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, yeah. Cool, cool. And you know, I find sometimes some of the best therapy is when you are online and you switch off your camera, but you've got your laptop in bed, right? And you switch off that camera and you just talk to the therapist and you just explore ways that you can you know, enhance your life to make it better and ways that you don't need to blame yourselves for things that you cannot change, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think that that is very very important, and and uh, this through this uh, episode of of the Be Your Own Boss podcast, and and I think we've we've said this before, but uh, I want to highlight it again that mental health is very very important, as important as your physical health. So if you if if you if your arm hurts, if your leg hurts, you would do something about it, and if your brain hurts, if your mind there is uh, uh, you know if, if there is suffering in your mind. uh you have to do something about it go seek help go to the mindhubdirectory.com and find the right kind of help that you need that you will uh, that that you need you may not know what you need but mindhub help uh, mindhub directory will help you find what you need exactly right? because 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 and this is the most important thing guys anybody that's listening is that uh we all heal through neuroplasticity and neuroplasticity is rewiring our brain and you can only rewire your brain through talking to someone and positive positive talk and getting the right support that you need so it's very important yeah yeah all right lisa one final question as we wrap up here like i said how was your experience being on the be your own boss podcast amazing it's been really awesome thank you so much for having me um i hope i can be on it again sometime soon or anytime so thank you so much for having me it's been lovely lovely to talk to so many people around the world and um yeah it's exciting thank you good times ahead thank you and i i i must thank you for for taking our time and you know sharing your your story your journey with us very inspiring story literally had goosebumps you know the way you've you the, the kind of things you've gone through and the the transformation that you've uh, you know uh, that you've done to yourself and you've come out come out successful i think this is an example this is a story that everyone must watch and uh, take inspirations from thanks thank you so much i really appreciate all the kind warm words that you've you know um said and i'm very blessed so thank you thank you for having me on your show thank you so ladies and gentlemen boys and girls that was Lisa Pavlakos the founder of Mindhub directory and you've been watching and listening to Be Your Own Boss